0: I'm Danielle, and I'm Christy, and you are listening to Snacks
1: with Stein. Let's do it.
0: Okay, welcome. Back to Snacks with Sty. This is Danielle. This is show number eight, which means we're almost double digits. Go us. And since this drops on March 12th, I wanted to wish everybody a very happy, but very early St. Patrick's Day. I hope you get really drunk or eat something that turns your tongue green. So hi, Christy. Hi. Back when we were cool and didn't have children and could drink for St. Patrick's Day,
1: (laughs) um, we used to have a tradition of making waffles with Baileys in the batter. (gasps) Pro tip, St. Patrick's Day, get out your waffle iron, get a little Baileys in the batter. It's real good.
0: Ooh, I like that.
1: So let's catch up. Is there anything that's
0: new in the last five minutes? I can't say that there was. There's no hockey tonight, so I've got nothing for nothing. Well, for at least us. I'm
1: not pulling you away from a game.
0: No. I feel like we do that
1: every time.
0: <laughs> it's okay. It's not playoffs yet. When it's playoffs, then we have a problem.
1: <laughs> no, we just have to be better at scheduling. Be like, yes. listen, she's not going to be anywhere near available for this <laughs> amount of time because exactly. of hockey. Exactly. I thought of you, actually. We went to a birthday party this weekend, and it was far and away the weirdest party we've ever been at, but it it was at a place that had a like a hockey rink. Oh. And so there was both adults and kids playing. I was like, Danielle.
0: <laughs> Very cool. I like that. Was it ice hockey or roller hockey? It was ice hockey. Ice hockey. Okay. And
1: they were little kids, like little kids. Uh
0: I love seeing the littles. They're so cute. In their giant gear that's way too big for them.
1: Seriously, I don't know how they
0: move. (laughs) They look even smaller than they are. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're so cute. If I had a kid, I would force them to play. (laughs) Just like, just go be cute in all of your your gear.
1: (laughs) My friend Tina, hey. Her son plays hockey and he's like six one day he wanted to go to hockey practice in his inflatable dinosaur costume so she she sent us pictures of her kid at hockey practice as a dinosaur
0: (laughs) well you know I mean maybe the the inflatable will block shots it might
1: (laughs) hey he's living his best dinosaur hockey life
0: yep why not we're,
1: we're gonna let him have it
0: I support it
1: <laughs> so, real quick, while Danielle <laughs> tells me a story, which is my favorite thing, I'm going to sit down and also have another one of my favorite things. I'm drinking wine. I definitely gravitate towards red wine. And this one is uh, 19 Crimes because they sell it at Sam's, which is surprising because it's actually a pretty decent wine. I'm not one of those people, if it's more than like $10 a bottle, I'm probably out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm like a $10, $11 bottle kind of gal. (laughs) So yeah, so I've got this 19 Crimes that's really good. And then I've got some Colby Jack cheese. um, Wine and cheese. Alongside some pretzel thins. They're like chips, but sort of pretzels. Oh, I love those. So we've got some like salty with the cheese and the wine. I'm just going to get decadent with it and sit back. And listen to like, a spooky story.
0: I wish this was more classy of a book, but it's-
1: <laughs> are you suggesting think- that a book with the title Shocker on Shock Street <laughs> is not gonna be as highbrow as the snack that I'm currently having?
0: I don't think so. I think I it's it was a fun one, but I don't know if it fits your snack, but <laughs> so, I'll be the judge of that. Okay. So as Christy said, I will be reading a shocker on Shock Street. I picked this one because next week I leave for Disneyland. Woo! And, woohoo, and this one happened to be about theme parks gone bad. So I was like, hey, apropos for my mood, this one was published in 1995. It's Goosebumps number 35. <laughs> And it was three fifty at the time. So
1: Ooh, a lot of fives.
0: A lot that's why I said it all. So I was like, wow, there's a lot of fives happening there. For our cover, I really like this one. It's very classic. To me, what I consider you see it as a, on a as a kid on a bookshelf and you gravitate toward it. It's one of those. Because we have a very typical suburban street. Hey, guess what its name is? Is it Fear Street? No. Well, then (laughs) (laughs) it's Shock Street. (laughs) Ah, damn it. (laughs) So close. So we're on Shock Street and there is a giant like 1950s monster movie, Praying Mantis, coming our way. Like huge.
1: Ooh, I love it. I love like
0: the 50s Mm sci-fi thing. And the tagline for this one is, it's a real dead end it was darker than the darkest night. A gray light is glowing dimly in front of them. Marty ducks and grabs Aaron's arm tightly. He was breathing hard and fast and was terrified. Aaron liked seeing him this way because he was always bragging about being the brave one. They are waiting and watching and a fence comes into view. Danger, keep out. This means you, gasping with fear as loud scraping sounds surround them. Erin wants to run, but she can't leave Marty behind. The scraping turns into loud banging and crashing. They move quickly along the fence, but the sounds follow. The fence begins to shake and crumbles to the ground. A monster with a head like a wolf and the body of a crab. What? Exactly. I'm going to say it again. A head like a wolf and the body of a crab (laughs) swings its giant claws toward them. Aaron and Marty scream, and jump to their feet. Please sit down, I can't see the screen. Shh. Someone else whispers at them. Aaron and Marty feel like jerks, cause they are, and slink back into their seats. Meanwhile, the wolf crab is taking off after a kid on a trike. I just wanna talk about the wolf crab for a moment.
1: i think we all do
0: (laughs) (laughs) so before i continue this is a wolf that has a crab body okay it feels like stein had a hat didn't know what to do and was like let's just put some animals in a hat and we got wolf crab
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) so like from a design perspective i'm trying to reconcile this in my mind like you know that um show where they make the muppets It's like the Mm -hmm. the competition show where it's like the creature creators.
0: I love that show.
1: So this feels like a challenge for a creature Mm -hmm. creator. And I'm trying to decide if it's like a red sleek crab body with a red sleek head that's in the shape (laughs) of a wolf. Or if it's a furry wolf head. With a crab-like body that's covered in fur. Oh, my God. A furry crab? (laughs) Yes. I'm trying to figure out if it's a merger or if it is, like, straight-up (laughs) copy-paste, like, furry head on sleek body, kind of, which I'm having trouble with.
0: Yeah. It's a weirdo. It's a weirdo to me. Okay. All righty. So, Marty starts making fun of Aaron and saying, it's only a movie, it's only a movie. So they bicker back and forth until someone once again tells them to shut the hell up. They finally decide to stop being obnoxious and sit back and enjoy the rest of A Shocker on Shock Street 6. And this one ends with the wolf crab being caught and boiled in a giant pot. Resulting in delicious crab for everyone. Ooh, that took a dark turn. <laughs> so the movie ends, and the duo makes their way through the lobby of the movie theater. And in typical Marty fashion, he puts a foot out to trip Aaron, and she stumbles into a young woman. You twins should really be more careful. But Marty and Aaron are not twins, they're not even brother and sister. But they look a lot alike, both with round faces, dark hair, and blue eyes. So Marty and Aaron continue to trip each other throughout the long lobby, basically being the type of kids that I hate because they're in the way and they're loud and I want them to fall off a cliff. So (laughs) I don't like them. Exactly. Where where are your parents, guardian, wrangler, any of the above? (laughs) And, but they're really excited because they're probably the first two kids to see the new Shocker on so- Shock Street. See, I did it. I did it. it so they're really excited because they're the first two kids to see the new Shocker on Shock Street movie thanks to Aaron's dad who works with movie people and got them tickets to a preview screening. They turn the corner into another hallway, and two giant crab claws grab Erin by the waist. She opens her mouth to scream, but only a squeak comes out. Everybody is laughing, especially Marty. The man inside the wolf crab costume apologizes for scaring her, and Marty yells out, she scares easy. Erin rolls her eyes, shoves Marty, and they jog off toward the elevators to go visit her dad in his office upstairs. Her dad has a kick-ass job building theme park rides. He designed Prehistoric Park and the famed fantasy films Studio Tour. Erin thinks her dad's one of the smartest people ever and calls him a robot expert. She calls his office the happiest place in the world. But today, her dad didn't look too happy. He was hunched over his desk, ear pressed to the phone, and he had not acknowledged their presence. So they slowly approached the desk and she asked what's wrong. Aaron, I have very bad news. What is it? Gotcha. You fall for that gag every time. So she rushes over to her dad and pretends to strangle him. Marty, on the other hand, insists he wasn't bothered and calls the whole thing really stupid. Then Mr. Wright, which is Aaron's dad, then tells the two he has good news and shows them a little model of what looks like a white train car. He explains it's actually a tram vehicle. The tram for the Shocker Studio Tour. The kids can't believe it. Aaron's dad has been working on this project for years, and it's finally going to happen. Marty is jumping up and down. Aaron is over the moon. And then he tells them before it opens to the public, he wants them to test it out.
1: Heck yeah, her dad's an imagineer.
0: Yeah, right? I was all in. I was like, yes. Okay.
1: For those of you who don't know, Danielle and (laughs) I are Disney freaks. Like we enjoy the Disney movies. We plan elaborate Disney vacations. We are on board with Disney. Yes, they probably do horrible things in third world countries, but we appreciate the places that we are taken to when we go there. So this is, I'm on board with you. Let's do this.
0: That's, That's good. So he tells them that they will be the first two kids in the world to ride it. And he wants their opinions. The ride will take you through the whole movie studio and down the real shock street. Erin asks if her mom can come too, and her dad looks at her completely puzzled, as if she was just out of her mind. She feels sort of hurt, thinking, did she do something wrong? Or maybe something was wrong with her mom. But Mr. Wright just insists that they'll have more fun on their own. Which makes Aaron a little suspicious, but she doesn't want to make him mad and have him change his mind about the tour. So the next day, Mr. Wright is taking the kids deep into the Hollywood Hills and to Shocker Studios. The day is gray and hazy, and Aaron is hoping it doesn't decide to rain. But Marty thinks it makes for great horror movie weather. They reach the Iron Gate with Shocker Studios spelled out in blood-red letters and a small beware above it. The parking lot is empty, but will soon be filled with thousands of cars. Since it is is a working studio, Mr. Wright points out a few things, and Marty is asking so many questions, he might crawl out of his own skin. Have you ever been to a movie studio?
1: I, I went on the... That's not a real studio, though, is it? If you go on the Universal tour in California?
0: Some of those are. Some, so that's the fun thing with the Universal tour is that a lot of those um, are working sets. I'm not sure what's there now because I haven't. I've only done the tour most recently when it was Horror Nights. So it's a different route and stuff. But when you go on the day, regular day tour, they do take you past some working sets. At one point, I know it was Desperate Housewives. So that it was like Cherry something Lane or whatever and Mysteria
1: Mysteria Lane
0: Sorry excuse um, me <laughs> Listen
1: um. <laughs> Yeah, I think I went on a tour once when I was in high school. I think we went by the sets for when they were filming The Grinch.
0: Ooh. So that's a good one cuz then now they repurpose those Grinch sets, which are really cool, as a really awesome Christmas layover at Universal and it's super fun. So If you're in L.A., do it. You can meet Max, who's the highlight of my my day. Max is the best. Marty asks if they can walk on Shock Street, and Mr. Wright tells them they must stay in the tram and not to worry if something doesn't work right, as there's still some bugs and kinks they're working out. The tram approaches. It's long... Open on top like a roller coaster car and painted black with a white skull on the hood. Inside the car is a young red headed woman who introduces herself as Linda and she says she is their tour guide. Before they take their seats, Linda is rifling through a black tote bag and pulls out a red plastic gun. It's a shocker stun ray blaster they can freeze a monster from 20 feet away. She hands one to Aaron and goes to get another for Marty. But as she reaches toward him, she trips and the blaster goes off in her hand. Linda is frozen on the platform. Aaron and Marty don't know what to do. She turns to her dad and he's laughing. Then back to Linda, who's laughing too. That was the first shock on the shocker tour, she says, and goes to comfort Marty, who insists he wasn't scared at all. He's such a jerk and can never just admit when he's scared. They climb in and look for a safety bar, but the tram has none. Erin asks Linda if she's coming with them, but they're on their own. She reminds them not to get out of the tram, don't stand up while it's moving, and keep all limbs inside. Well, there's no safety bar, so it's the <laughs> honor system. Right. <laughs> you are being trusted not to kill yourself on the train.
1: Sounds good. Fuck that. No, I'm not getting on any ride <laughs> where I have to trust other people's kids to not
0: kill me. First, do you want to guess what their first stop is? On the tour? Oh, on the tour? <laughs> um,
1: It's going to be... The, oh, Lord, how does Spaceship Earth start?
0: Uh,
1: The dawn of time.
0: The dawn of time. I wish, but so I'm going to pause and say that this begins the most amazing and unoriginal series of names for places that I have ever experienced. Literal naming. So get ready because they're great. So their first stop will be the haunted house of horror. <laughs> Strap, the tram starts its route and Marty just can't freaking stop complaining. The gun is babyish. It better be scary. Blah, blah, blah. Aaron just hopes he's not going to ruin her whole trip. They approach the house and it looks just like the movies. Tall weeds cover the lawn. A pale green light emulates from inside. A rusty porch swing is swinging by itself, and the tram takes them through a rusty gate toward the house. They see silhouettes of skeletons in the windows and hear screams of terror from inside. The tram picks up speed and passes a sign above the front door that reads, Abandon All Hope. But the tram bursts down the door, and they're inside the house. They get to the kitchen first, which is in disarray. Cabinets are opening and closing by themselves. And other spooky things. But the tram keeps going until they reach the living room. They are plunged into the dark, and a large chandelier begins to shake. And a voice can be heard. Welcome to my humble abode. Who was that? Who's there? She asks Marty, but there's no response. Marty is gone. Her breath catches in her throat. Did that idiot climb out? Then something touches her arm. It's Marty, and he's giggling. It's so dark, it must be some kind of special effect because she can't see him at all. Then a big fire starts to roar in the fireplace and they both jump. A black armchair spins around and a grinning skeleton booms. I hope you like my house because you'll never leave. (laughs) Then the tram roars to a start. They're going faster and faster, whirring around corners, down dark halls, and then they're climbing up and up and up. One more sharp turn and they come crashing down. They were on a roller coaster ride in the dark. With no seat belts, no safety bars, and nothing for Aaron or Marty to hold on to. Aaron is convinced something is really wrong with this train.
1: Yeah, because your fucking dad forgot to put a (laughs) safety bar in there. And everybody's going to die. They're going to get sued. You're going to lose your house. This Mm -hmm. is not good.
0: This is not good at all, guys.
1: Listen, your dad's a bad engineer. (laughs) I mean, on the plus side, this kind of sounds like a combination of Haunted Mansion and The Mummy Ride, which I'm on board with, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. not without a safety
0: bar. Yeah, I I need a bar. I need a safety bar. They burst through a door and the gray sky appears. But the tram is going so fast, Erin can't catch her breath. She's looking for someone, something, anything to help. But no one and nothing is in sight. The tram suddenly rolls to a slow pace and then to a stop. They are parked between two rows Of tall bushes. Marty stands up and looks around. There's nothing here, but Aaron notices the bushes are wiggling and there are glowing red eyes staring back at them. Trying to get Marty's attention, she tugs his sleeve, but it was too late. They were surrounded by snarling, snuffling creatures from all sides reaching their claws into the tram. Aaron thinks maybe they can run out the back of the car, but there is no escape. A monster covered in brown fur opens his mouth to reveal long, jagged yellow teeth, and he swipes at Aaron with a fat paw. Would you like an autograph? It growls. And this is when I said, what the fuck?
1: Yeah. Like I was with you. We were on this ride. We were we were doing stuff. And then the monsters went all LA
0: on us. <laughs> Aaron's mouth is hanging to her knees. The monster pulls a pen from behind his ear and starts to autograph a black and white photo. Marty shouts, hey! your ape face. He tells Marty, this is the autograph part of the tour. And Aaron looks around and begins to recognize some of the other monsters. The toxic wild man, sweet Sue, who is a mutant murderer from Mars, and the fabulous frog. They collect a bunch of autographs and the creatures just go back into the bushes. They burst out laughing. And think just how freaking dumb that was. And I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's an odd place for a photo shoot. You're all yeah. scared and it's like, oh, what odd craft? Like I don't, I don't get it.
1: <clears throat> yeah, that, my first thought was like, how LA of them?
0: I was thinking of the studio tour in Universal. And I thought to myself. What if the tour stopped at, like, Norman Bates's house, and then he's like, hey, guys, want selfies? Like, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way.
1: It fucks up the tour, but at the same time, I would totally take a selfie with oh, Right,
0: Bates. me too. But it ruins the mood. If you're at least a little bit scared, it ruins the mood. It's a no. It's a no from me. Also, though, it's a little Jurassic Park. Like, who's driving this tram? Right. Aaron could not believe how real their costume seemed. She didn't see zippers or seams, and the frog had slimy hands. But Marty, the know-it-all, tries to act all cool and say it once again that this whole thing is for babies. So the tram starts to roll again, and a woman's voice over the speaker tells them their next stop is the Cave of the Living Creeps? The mouth of the cave was a large hole carved into the side of a hill. A sign above simply reads, Farewell. The tram lurches forward into a dim silvery light and Aaron ducks, thinking they might hit the top. A sour, earthy smell surrounds them, and it makes Aaron a little dizzy. Marty suggests they might see bats. And it's a well-known fact that Aaron hates bats. And therefore, I hate Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> bats are adorable. Bats Leave are. Bats alone. Save yeah. the bats, everybody. Save the bats.
1: When you said the cave of the living creeps, my first thought was, oh, my ex-boyfriends are in there.
0: <laughs> my Mine live there, too. Mine live there, too. And I have some co-workers that live in there and some ex-friends that live in there. It's crowded. It's, it's crowded, crowded in the cave. It's, yeah. it's crowded. Erin plays it cool, but she is definitely listening for fluttering of wings in the shadows. Then she feels something. Wet. An ice cold hit the back of her neck. At first she thinks it's Marty being an asshole, but his hands are gripping the seat and whatever it is begins to move. Marty help me, but he's too slow to react. So she reaches back and feels something sticky and cold between her fingers. Want to guess what it might be?
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's never good. It's a
0: frog. Close. It's a worm. A huge white worm. The size of a shoelace. Marty wants to touch it. But as he reaches out a finger, he screams a scream so loud, it echoes through the cave. Ah! He reaches up and pulls one off the top of his head. I've got one too. Then Aaron feels another plop, Then another. The worms are falling in all directions. She looks to Marty for help, but he's dodging and throwing his own worms out the side of the camp. One falls over her eyes. Another is coiling around Marty's ear, and all she can do is keep heaving them over the side. Where in the hell are they coming from? And then it stops. Marty is furious because he knows he was scared and Aaron was a witness. He's going to tell Mr. Wright that little kids won't like this. And Erin is not convinced that those things were robots or some kind of special effect because her skin was still itching. Then something covers her entire face and body. It's dry and scratchy, some kind of net. She throws her hands up to push it away and Marty is doing the same. It feels like cotton candy. It's sticky and won't budge. Then it dawns on Marty. This is a spider web. Erin lets out a groan and she sees them. Thousands of black spiders. They were everywhere, crawling on them both. In Marty's hair and one even goes up her nose.
1: (laughs) Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate hard, it so much! This, Why? This is, a really,
0: this is a really hard chapter to get through for me, because I hate uh, uh, Well, I see,
1: here's... <laughs> uh, here's the deal. Like, worms are gross. <laughs> Being covered in worms would be gross. I... I'm not really freaked out by worms, because I don't know... I, like, I've done a lot of fishing. I don't mind mm-hmm. worms. Because worms don't fucking bite.
0: I just don't want to be covered in worms. But,
1: like the spiders are inappropriate. Why?
0: Oh, I hate it. Oh, I hate it so much. I'm okay. Keep it's, this is this, this was a hard one. She screams and sneezes it out. Marty flicks one off her shoulder and they think it's over. They don't feel or see any more spiders. Aaron is beyond over this. But Mr. Cool, Mr. Marty, loved every minute of it,
1: Uh, which I
0: think is a lie. No way.
1: (laughs) No way. Oh, I'm so uncomfortable. Okay,
0: I'm all right. (laughs) Yeah, I had to take a break reading this chapter because I was like, ew, ew. Just a minute now. Well, it's one
1: thing, it's like, oh, there's a spider. It's another thing to be like, oh, there's a spider that is crawling on me. It's another thing to be like, there are thousands. Mm-hmm. That's uncalled for. Yeah. Okay,
0: continue. It's, it's bleh. <laughs> She asked him if he still thinks everything is fake, but he won't give in just yet. She just wants out of this dumbass cave, but they enter a large cavernous space with an eerie green light, and they're at a complete stop. They both call out to see if anyone can hear them, because the tram has to be broken. There is nothing here, nothing to look at, nothing to see. She turns to Marty, but he's gone again. Actually gone this time. Aaron is in a panic. He's really gone. He fell out of the tram. God knows what happened. Then Marty is smiling at her from the floor of the cave. Gotcha. Aaron. (laughs) This guy. I'm over him, like, already.
1: (laughs) Maybe I I guess I'm just not cool enough. Like, I don't remember, like, doing things to freak my friends out ever. I feel like my friends would just cry (laughs) and then get mad at me. Yeah.
0: And then I wouldn't want that. I I wouldn't want that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry. Continue. No, it's true. I think about this, too, because I'm like, I don't do these. Who does these things? Who behaves this way?
1: Young boys would probably be more into this than girls would mm-hmm. ever be. Because, like I said, th- there'd be crying. There'd be people <laughs> getting mad. And yeah. then you'd like, be rallying other girls to be mad at you, too. Like, it would be
0: a <laughs> whole can of worms. Like, it wouldn't yeah. be worth it. Not at all. Aaron is fuming. Marty is the living creep and she insists that he gets back in the tram. What if it takes off and he's left behind? But Marty is pretty sure the tram has broken down, and he even tries to push it, but no such luck. This is really bad. Aaron tries to call for help again, but still silence. They are stuck in this cave, and the only way out is to walk back through the worms and the spiders. Marty is ready to leave her behind if she doesn't get a move on. So she takes off after him, but stops in her tracks, staring in horror. Don't look at me like that, Aaron. But she wasn't looking at him. She was looking at the creature rising behind her. Aaron is stammering. She can't get the words out. Marty keeps backing up eventually bumping straight into the creature. He turns around, takes one look, and runs back toward Aaron. The creature looks like a large metal crane, and at first she thinks it might be a machine, but it begins to rise up. It's alive. It has two large black eyeballs spinning around its head, a giant antenna. And as it rises, its body unfolds like a leaf. Its tongue was whipping back and forth. It was a giant praying mantis. And its bulging eyes were locked on the duo. It begins to pucker its mouth and make a sickening, sucking sound. Aaron is terrified, but fucking Marty is laughing. He doesn't even know why they're scared. It's just a giant robot that's designed to go after the tram. But was it? Another mantis comes out from behind a rock, and another. Marty ushers Aaron back toward the tram, thinking it will start again now that they've seen the bugs. But one jumps out in front of them, blocking their path. It leans down and headbutts Aaron sending her sprawling backward. Marty steps in before the mantis can hit Aaron again, and she hears scraping sounds. Four more had appeared. The insects had them surrounded. They were rubbing their front legs together, making a shrill sound that was echoing through the cave. Marty is shouting at them to stop, thinking they might be voice controlled, but it doesn't work. Then a large glob of black saliva lands on his sneaker, and he can't budge. It's like glue. Another glob falls from the insect's mouth and hits Aaron in the shoulder, burning her through her shirt. They need to get back to the tram and get the stun guns, but how? Aaron starts to think, how do you normally get rid of bugs? You step on them. She stamps her foot hard on one of their feet and it wins back in pain. Marty gives it a try and it's working. So she jumps up and they take off running.
1: You know what I was thinking? They're on this ride, it's progressively getting more like real life and less like a ride. And we're at the point where these things are actually spitting acid. Alien style.
0: Right. On
1: to them where they're physically being burned. Right. Why is their first inclination <laughs> to get the plastic gun from the tram <laughs> to fight the real life monsters?
0: I think at this point, well, Marty is still thinking they're all fake, like robots and Animatronics and such, and Aaron is like something is really wrong here.
1: But Marty's Marty's on board. He feels like they've green lighted, yeah, acid spitting right. audio <laughs> animatronics. Yeah, okay, you gotcha. Know. All right. I mean, right. I
0: think he, I think he's playing the fence. He's like, I get that something is weird because things are just really kind of fucky here. But <laughs> I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Fucky. <laughs> That's my favorite. Oh,
1: <laughs> if we ever have merch,
0: it's going on a hat.
1: <laughs> Fucky.
0: Yes. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> you know, he's in that state of mind where, like, eh, you know, but I think he's that cool kid who's like, I'm not scared. Nothing scares me. You know, so if he admits, oh, this is all weird, then he's scared, you know, and shows his hand that he's really actually scared. So he's playing that. I think he's playing the fence a little bit. She gets to the tram and Marty has fallen behind, but she knows he'll make it. So she grabs the guns and miraculously finds a crack in the wall that she can fit into. She slips in and sees daylight. She's free. Her excitement fades when she hears Marty. Help, they're eating me. And then I was like, oh, my God, being eaten by bugs sounds, like, really horrible. And she just bounced. She bounced.
1: (laughs) What the hell? I mean. I got my plastic gun. Here's a crack in the wall. Good luck, Marty. I'm out.
0: (laughs) I mean, he is kind of an ass, so I get it. (laughs) It's true. But, like, she
1: straight up is like, yeah, I'm free. She was like, bitch, bye. (laughs)
0: Aaron has no idea how to help Marty. She turns around trying to think of something anything she could do. And to her surprise, there's Marty leaning against the cave. April Fools. Is it April? I don't know. I think he's just <laughs> running out of I think he's just running out of things to say. You can't say gotcha, you know. Erin lets out a scream and launches at Marty. She is furious. She tells him to stop fucking around and playing these dumbass jokes. It's way too scary here. The monsters and the worms and all of that crap were way too real, and they couldn't just be movie magic. After all, her dad is a genius designer, and maybe he just outdid himself this time. Except for safety bars. Right. I keep coming back to that. I'm sorry. It's it's the basics. It's the basics that you get wrong.
1: (laughs) Well, but it's also, I feel like it's also a psychological thing. Like when you get onto a ride and the bar comes down, it's like, okay, we are Mm -hmm. on a ride now. We're Mm -hmm. not going to move. We're going to stay here till the ride is over. Mm -hmm. When the bar goes up, then the ride is over. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's... (laughs) Maybe that's part of it. Like, maybe that's why that was eliminated.
0: hmm Yeah, you so don't that, know what it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so we're more off kilter. Mm-hmm. We're more likely to believe that, like, hey, this is weird. This is wrong. Mm-hmm. You're
0: right. This shouldn't be there. Okay. Yeah. Armed with their stun guns, they start walking when Marty shouts, look where we are. He's staring at a town, a movie set that resembled a town full of buildings, a general store, and a decaying mansion. Do you know where we are? Asked Marty. Do you know where we are, Christine?
1: Uh, are we on Shock Street?
0: Oh my god, winner!
1: You won. Winner, winner!
0: Winner! Erin's eyes fall onto the decaying mansion at the end of the street, and she knows. They were on Shock. She spins around in excitement, taking it all in. They have to see everything. They go running up and down the street, peering into the windows and toward the fence that surrounds the mansion. Aaron points to an empty lot where the mad mangler mangled all who passed by. I love that. He was a mangler who mangled.
1: (laughs) Hey. Hey. He knows who he is, all right? He's known since birth when he was christened Mad,
0: Mad Mangler. He has a destiny. I, I, I appreciate that. Marty wants to get closer, but Aaron decides to stay on the sidewalk and says something doesn't feel right. Marty wishes they had a camera because he wants a picture in the infamous lot. But then his eyes light up and he takes off running she sees what he's heading toward an old cemetery the cemetery where they filmed get ready for it cemetery on shock street marty pulls the gate open which was clearly put there to keep people the f out aaron reminds him that he shouldn't be messing around but he's convinced it's part of the tour and to stop being such a wimp. The tombstones jut out of the ground like crooked teeth. Marty takes a few steps forward and drops out of sight. Erin cannot believe this was happening again. She had no choice but to go into the cemetery and try to find him. She calls out to him and to her surprise, she hears his voice telling her to be careful. She asked where he is, and he had fallen into a large open grave. Covered in dirt, Aaron had to laugh at his predicament. Marty asked for help out, and after a bit of a struggle, he's back on solid ground. And thrilled that he can tell people he was in a grave in the Shock Street Cemetery. And this is my favorite favorite part, I think, of this book, because the cemetery is full of punny graves with names like Jim Socks, Sid Up, and the winner, Ben Dover. I love it. That sounds kind of
1: dirty, actually. I know, right? Like, Ben Dover is like a male porn star name.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Welcoming to the stage, it's Ben Dover. I love it. <laughs> so, where he failed in naming locations and stuff, he won with the graves. So, 100%. They have a good laugh, but all Erin wants to do is get out of there and get back to her dad. And she keeps seeing strange gray wisps dashing between the graves. Could they be cats? Then sounds start to fill the cemetery. Strange cries filling the sour air. A loud, wailing cry of terror startles them. And then a green hand with long, bony fingers shoots up from the ground. There are hands shooting up from the graves in all directions and then one reaches its hand up to grab Marty. Erin has no time to react or help as her own ankles are then sieged by a pair of hands, pulling her into a grave. Come down with us, come down, a voice moans at them. Erin is thrashing wildly, trying to get her ankles free, but also stay upright so they can't get her wrists too. She knows for certain this is not a joke, and they are really trying to pull them into graves. Marty is struggling and falls to his knees. He's helpless, and hands soon grab his wrist, pulling him hard into the dirt. The voices keep calling out to them, and Erin feels the dirt against her foot. She's free. She looks down and notices her shoe has come off, so she kicks off the other shoe and her socks since running will be easier without them. Getting to Marty's side, she tells him to do the same, and they're both finally free. But before they can start to run, the voices get louder and they are hypnotized. Hundreds of hands are coming up from the dirt, and soon heads and bodies follow. Bald green heads with missing eyes and rotting teeth. Why the socks? If you were going to run... you you know... You, they were told to stay in the goddamn
1: tram. (laughs) Usually that's delivered in English and Spanish. Mm -hmm. And there's no, you know, excuse for not knowing that you're supposed to stay. Mm. Right. In the tram. Now, I'm with them on the socks and shoes bit because I live barefoot 90% of the time. I feel like that would be easier for some reason. True. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm trying to go on this journey, but also I'm trying to stem my parental <laughs> anger on like children who have left the tram. <laughs> At that point, I feel like if you die, you die.
0: They take off running without saying a word to each other. Marty reaches the cemetery gate first, and Aaron follows close behind, and they're back on Shock Street. Where is everybody? Isn't this a movie studio? The Horror Hardware Store and Shock City Electronics had nobody inside. (laughs) Everything on the street is empty. Finally, Marty agrees with Aaron and admits that something is terribly wrong. The robots have gone haywire and they need help. They have to get off of Shock Street, so they keep running. Past a mansion Aaron doesn't recognize from any of the movies and next to it is a large, empty dirt lot with a brick wall at the back. She thinks if they can climb the wall, they'll be able to see the rest of the studio and the road. The dirt below them feels soft and damp, and the mud is reaching their ankles. They hit the wall and fall straight into a sinkhole. The mud makes a squishing sound as it envelopes them both, rising fast up through their noses and mouths. And with nothing to grab onto, Aaron thinks this is the end. Gross. This is terrible. We have all the heavy hitters. We have worms. We have spiders. We have red. Right, exactly.
1: (laughs) Right, we have broken the rules, so we're now in a place where we shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. So it's like we are fair game for reality to kind of bend and twist. Right. um, That's the best part about Goosebumps.
0: Mm -hmm. It's all very outlandish, but in a good way. Aaron is sobbing. Marty is trying to gasp for air, but there is no escape. Then she feels a strong pull on her arms. Something or someone is pulling her up. The mud rolls off of her in large chunks as she finally reaches the ground. She sees Marty, and he's okay. So she turns to see who rescued them and is met by the glowing red eyes of a wolf. A human with the face of a wolf. It was a female wearing a silvery catsuit. And Aaron realizes that it's Wolf Girl and her partner, Wolf Boy, who rescued Marty. She thanks them for saving their lives, but they just let out low growls and snap their jaws, baring their teeth. Aaron asks them to please help them find the tram or get them any kind of help but they just keep growling. Marty yells, we know you're actors and we don't wanna be scared anymore. And then Aaron loses it, snapping at them to just stop the damn wolf act already. She reaches up with both hands and grips the fur of her mask and tugs with all of her might, tugging and tugging, but it was real fur and warm skin. It wasn't a mask. Aaron jerked her hands away. Wolf girl's lips parted, and her tongue darts across her fangs. It's not an act, Marty. they're not actors. Both wolves lowered their heads as if to attack. Saliva poured from their mouths and their chests were heaving in and out. Aaron backs up against the wall, and the two wolves raise their heads and howl. She grabs Marty and tells him to get up the wall, climb it, and maybe they can't reach us. He's struggling to get up, and the wolves are lowering to the ground to pounce. Aaron gives him a boost, but without shoes, he can't make it, but he finally heaves himself on top of the wall. He lowers his hands to get Aaron, but she can't get a good grip either, and her knees scrape against the brick, and no amount of strength will get her up. Aaron hears the snap of jaws and feels hot breath on her foot, and the sheer terror gives her enough strength to get to the top of the wall. Clinging to Marty, trying not to topple over, they watch the werewolves jump and claw at the brick. It's too dark to tell what's on the other side, so they can't jump down. What do they do? Then Aaron remembers the guns. Hers was lost to the mud, but Marty still had his. She grabs it without even thinking and starts to fire. Again with the guns.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure that's going to work. Um, I think so. To channel my friend Donna from Paranormal Chicks podcast, which is a great show. You should check it out. What in the Skinwalker Ranch
0: is going on here? <laughs> The gun emits a bright blast of yellow light, and Aaron prays that this will make the werewolves stop. But of course, it doesn't. Look out, yells Marty as the wolves take a huge leap toward the wall. This startles Aaron, and she loses her balance. Trying to hold on to Marty, but she can't, she falls off the wall with a loud thud. Marty jumps down beside her just as the werewolves reach the wall staring down at them, snarling, and getting ready to strike. He yells at Aaron to run. When in the distance, she spots two bright yellow eyes. No, not eyes. They're the lights from the tram. They have to catch up to it and jump on, or they'll never find a way back to Aaron's dad. They get in their places, prepare to jump, waiting for the right moment, and then Marty falls to the ground. Aaron topples over him, and the tram zooms past. Aaron pulls Marty up, and they start running. She reaches the tram first, and with all of her strength, she heaves herself on. But Marty can't make it. He's falling behind. And then suddenly, a burst of speed. He somehow manages to swing himself up and slumps into the seat next to her. They were finally going to get out of this hellhole and tell Aaron's dad that this place is fucked all the way up. Aaron shoots straight up in her seat as she realizes the tram is full. They gasp in horror as all of the passengers with their grinning jaws, empty eye sockets, and gray bones turn around to face them. Skeletons. The tram was packed with skeletons, all laughing a cruel laugh as their bony fingers point at Marty and Aaron. It dawns on Aaron. They're going the wrong way. The buildings are getting smaller, and they're getting farther from the main entrance. They have to jump, but they're going too fast. Buildings and trees are roaring past them, and they're heading straight toward a castle wall. Aaron stands up on her seat and jumps. She lands hard on her side and rolls. Marty hesitates, but follows. They both roll until they come to a stop near some trees, and they watch the tram plunge into the wall without a sound. Just like Platform 9 and 3 quarters, the tram and the skeletons disappear into the castle. Aaron and Marty are traumatized from their fall, but not injured, miraculously and can't believe what they saw. Was the wall a fake? They go toward it thinking they'll pass through, but their hands slap cold stone. It was a ghost tram, and somehow they were able to ride it. Erin slaps the wall with her fist. She's sick of everything to do with this place and wants out. No more tricks, no more mysteries, no more scary movies, Ever. Marty tries to comfort her, but she's having none of it and just wants to keep going. Strange sounds gather all around them, which she does her best to ignore as they make their way up the hill. At the top, they see buildings. Are they finally saved? But then they realize where they were, back on stupid-ass Shock Street. She tries to turn to run, but her eyes are drawn to the cemetery. And the wisps of gray from before. It starts with one and then another until they're surrounded, being choked by the mist.
1: At this point, I'm like, all right, the kids want to get off. <laughs> They've wanted to get off for a while. <laughs> like, it's, it's time to tap out. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm very interested to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. But if I were them, I would actually be happy that I saw Shock Street because at least that's the way they came
0: in. Right. They could maybe find a path from there. Right. Right. So we last left them and they're being choked out by the mist, which is full of ghosts. Cut. Print that one. Great job. A man approaches Aaron and Marty. He's carrying a clipboard and a whistle, smiling from ear to ear. He asks them, what's up, guys? Good job. You look so scared. We were really scared, shouts Aaron. Marty is elated to see a real live human and starts telling this guy how much the two are fucked up, gross, and that everything tried to hurt them. And they start talking in unison like kids do, just together saying the same thing. And this guy, whose name is Russ Denver, informs them that they're making a movie here. Didn't anybody tell them? And they're filming their reactions. Aaron shouts back angrily, no, nobody told us. My dad brought us here. He designed this tour. And while she's yelling, Marty's hand touches her shoulder to try to calm her down but she does not want to be calm do you hate that when people do that
1: yeah no don't <laughs> tell me to calm down exactly it, it has the opposite effect exactly <laughs> unfortunately i am not the the level of badass that i would like to be where i could i could say that like that ratchets me up into some kind of like dress downing verbally
0: or whatever. I just get mad and I start crying. Yeah, Yeah, I just get mad. I get more mad. I'm like, don't Mr. Denver apologizes to them, tells the crew to break for 30 and he gives them directions to the main platform where Mr. Wright should be waiting for them. The house he points to is and this is going to be a tough one Shock Rose House Of shocks. The kids kids know better and ask, Are you sure we won't get shocked in there? Everyone who enters gets hit with 20 million volts. Denver insists it's safe and just a movie set, but they take off running anyway because they just want to go home. Erin turns back for a second to apologize for her freak out. But Denver has turned away, and out of his back was a long power cord. He wasn't human. Marty, don't go in the house! But it was too late. Yelling for Marty to stop, Erin is running as fast as she can, and she takes a dive to tackle him at the door, but misses. Sliding across the walkway, the door opens, and then a flash of white light and the crack of electricity. Aaron dives into the house to find Marty face down on the floor. She didn't care about getting shocked. She just had to help him. Shaking his shoulders, wake up, wake up, a shadow slides over her. She's not alone. Was it Chakro? The werewolves? Some other beast? Dad, what are you doing here? She pleads for him to help Marty. Do something, anything. Mr. Wright leans in closer, and more of him appears in the light. Who the hell are you? You're not my dad. Help me. Where is everybody? Help me. Somebody, anybody help me. Help Mr. Wright stares unhappily at Aaron and Marty. He closes his eyes and sighs. One of the studio engineers comes running and asks, what happened to the two kid robots? Mr. Wright says there were programming issues, and he thinks the memory chip in the Aaron robot had gone bad. It was supposed to recognize me as her father, but it didn't. The Marty robot is totally down. Complete system shortage. The engineer tells Mr. Wright it was a great idea to use kid robots to test the park. As he opens up robot Marty to fiddle with some wires. It seems that all of the other creatures had been acting fine. No bugs at all. Mr. Wright says he should have seen the problem yesterday. When Aaron asks about her mother, she doesn't have a mother. Oh, well, they'll be reprogrammed and good as new for another test on the tour. He lugs the Marty robot on one shoulder and the Aaron robot over the other, humming to himself as he carries them off to the engineering building. The end.
1: Well, okay, so on one hand, I'm kind of glad that we weren't having a Jane Eyre type situation with her mother. Mm-hmm. Cuz it was odd how we kind of sidestepped that. Um, so that's good. On the other hand, what the hell for, man? Like what? Mm-hmm. Cuz robots you mm. <laughs> <laughs> Like I get the safety testing. Like, didn't they test? They usually use like a barrels of water to simulate people, right? Like their weight mm-hmm. and things of that nature. Like I get that, but what would the benefit of a sentient robot child uh-huh. be in the testing phase? Right.
0: Uh, I didn't. I didn't fully get that either. Like, I get it's supposed to be creepy. Like, this whole time you think they're kids, mm-hmm. and then and then right. he's a weirdo because he has robot kids, and then and then just going back to the point, this ride is insane. If there was a real person on the ride, I mean, how do you- we we're, we're suspending disbelief in
1: a lot of ways, okay. Mm-hmm. You uh, first of all, you and I know from lots of experience <laughs> that rides are typically maybe a, a long ride is like what 11 minutes. Yeah, that's a long
0: ride. I think the new Star Wars ride taps out at 15 now. That's
1: the fifth new. is that Rise of the uh-huh. Resistance? Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. so 15 minutes is a long ride, mm-hmm. and this is clearly much longer than that. So if we suspend disbelief about, like, the amount of track that it would take <laughs> to make a tram ride of this length. <laughs> forget about, like, all the physical elements mm-hmm. that would be impossible, like the worms and things of that nature. I guess I would have liked it a lot more. I liked it. Don't get me wrong. Like, this is this is one of the better ones that I think we've read. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I liked it, but I think I would have liked it more if... This was truly an, like a mouth to hell situation. Mm. You get on this ride and you literally enter this other plane where you might die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I liked it a lot because I think, mm. I think in this kind of a story, there's a contract mm-hmm. where you understand we've clearly laid out the rules. Yeah. If you break those rules, you're fair game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, we know that once these kids, like, cross this line and break this rule about, like, leaving this train,
0: right.
1: shit's about to go down.
0: Right. It was, and, yeah.
1: and I just feel like we should have followed through with that. Like, I would have liked to see them both die.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think it could have been a different, mm. a different payoff than the robots. Like, the robot thing is cool, but then it's, like, yeah. There could have been a different, a different payoff I, there,
1: and I would have been more accepting of the robot thing because I love sci-fi. Mm-hmm. If it made even a little sense,
0: <laughs> I have to go back and watch the movie now. If I think the praying mantis showed up in that, but it did, yeah, did it? But okay. not, mm-hmm. not in any way relatable no. to
1: this scenario. Yeah, so it I was wonder there. if there is an, a different book. Yeah, where the praying because mm-hmm. in in the movie it was like a giant mantis mm-hmm. that was like bigger than the tap oh like. it yeah it was huge. like huge right i don't feel like that's a direct reference to this book Mm-mm. it's got to come up again this could be it sure. could have
0: made for a cool complete movie i think there's a right. lot of cool visuals oh
1: for sure like it. this mm-hmm. this would be great yeah, yeah. You'd have to flesh out some parts and and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but, like, the idea, the concept of, like, going on this ride, Mm -hmm. there's got to be, it almost reminds me of um, the first House of a Thousand Corpses, Mm -hmm. when they go on the ride. Yeah,
0: there's a little ride.
1: (laughs) Yeah. In the beginning of the movie, like, Mm -hmm. before things got weird. Yes. Like, they go on Mm -hmm. this ride, and they're being general assholes, and, like... (laughs) They're breaking these rules, and after that, it's like it's fair game. Right now, it's real, and now the ride is real. That's kind of how I got that kind of feeling.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's that's a good comparison. I was definitely on the track of like, okay, it's the Universal Studio tour, and then it goes insane. (laughs) That's like where I was. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he's
1: definitely referencing that, Mm -hmm. and he's definitely referencing Disney with like the Imagineering and all the audio animatronics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know that's delightful. Mm -hmm. We enjoy that for sure. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy listening to the show, definitely go over to Facebook, search uh, Snacks with Stein. You'll pull up our Facebook group. It's not a closed group. You just like the page and then you can go on and you can comment whenever you want. You'll get updates whenever new episodes come out. But you'll also be able to have discussions kind of like Danielle and I have about these books because um, most of our people there have read the books and they're game for, for talking about them and uh, and breaking down the different aspects that they either loved or hated. Um, and it's just a cool space. Like a lot of cool things uh, are popping up in there, and it's growing
0: mm-hmm.
1: at a rate that we did not <laughs> anticipate for sure not prepared. Not prepared. <laughs> but we are in there, and if you holler at us, we will definitely holler yeah. back. So come and hang out with us
0: <laughs> in the Facebook group. And on Facebook, You can leave us reviews. Reviews are not Mm -hmm. just for iTunes and other podcast platforms, though we appreciate them there too. But you can spread the love and put some reviews on our Facebook. We have it from some awesome people. So thanks to them. But yeah, if you like what you heard, leave us a review. Four stars and above only. Always got to say it. No one stars.
1: We haven't gotten one since that last one. Good. Is it still up there? I, I looked che-
0: on it and I couldn't find it.
1: <laughs> Can you redact your review? Yeah,
0: because what if you hated it and then you're like, actually, it grew on me and I like it? You know? Because
1: I went and checked it. Oh, and okay. Sorry. We're not going to talk about a one star review. That much.
0: <laughs> anyway. I didn't see it. Oh, I'm going to check. So leave us reviews. Christy is taking us back to good old Fear Street where nothing good ever happens. For the prom queen. And if you haven't seen the Jamie Lee Curtis prom massacre movie, go watch it. It's a good one.
1: Is that prom night? Prom
0: night. Thank you. Jamie Lee Curtis prom night. Check. It's a good one. I like it out. I
1: haven't seen it in a long time.
0: Don't watch the new one. It sucks. Jamie Lee Curtis. Is there a new one? Newish, like mid 2000s. Mid two thousands. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: No, I want it all seventies with like fluffy hair
0: and and our and our queen of Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis. So go
1: Ah praise be to Jamie Lee.
0: So go watch Um, that.
1: (laughs) So until next time, we love you. But we
0: are out. Like school's out for summer.